0: You're gonna do, really? <laughs> uh,
1: Hello there. You're listening to the Quarter to Three movie podcast for the Dark, or no, Jesus, the uh, Man of Steel. Good lord. I was going to say something about Dark Knight, and then I was going to say Superman. It's all I think it's just very confusing. I don't know a lot about comic books. Um, no, this is the podcast for, I, I've now got it straight, Man of Steel. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here this week with Christian Mulalski. Uh You can just refer to me as Dick Splash. <laughs> and I don't know that I know. Yeah, that. what? Uh, and with a Man of Steel tagline... Kelly Wand, More like gypped on. <laughs> oh, Krypton! I got that uh, one. Oh, anyway. no. okay. all right. Uh, oh, you
2: guys were too harsh on me.
1: Well, I'm sure uh, if you're if you're a gypsy listener, I apologize if you were offended. Oh, that's what that means? Uh, I don't know, Kelly Wand. We, might, we don't know if we have many gypsies listening to this podcast. Superman's a gypsy of the stars. That's a very astute point, Kelly Wand, and I would like to get into different. that, but it might involve spoilers. So hold that thought, Kelly Wand. Okay. Because first, I need to address <laughs> a longstanding issue that this podcast has. It's, it's an ongoing issue, really, and it's something that needs to be addressed uh, again this week. Um and I just want to introduce it by briefly pointing out that I uh, had to spend some time recently at the Glendale uh, County Court, actually Glendale City Glendale jail. Courthouse or whatever, not the jail, just the courthouse, as having to deal with a, a traffic ticket. And um, <laughs> so you go into the Glendale Courthouse and you deal with all their court bureaucracy stuff, and part <laughs> that involves standing in a freaking line for like an hour. Waiting, and this is after you've gone through everything else, you have to wait in a freaking line for an hour to pay your like tickets or court fees or fines or whatnot. It's almost like they're, they're like punishing you. You know, they make you come in and deal with all this stuff and, and the, the insult added to injury is, okay, now you're gonna sit here for an hour and wait for these two super slow clerk ladies to, to, to bring you up to their window and pay your fines and, oh, it's just absurd. And while you're there in line, you are subjected to this wall with all these faded yellowing posters in the lobby where everybody's waiting. And it's stuff about, you know, uh, I, I don't even know. It's just like, uh, like bureaucracy propaganda BS. Um, and on one, of, slavery. on one of these posters, it's a poster for, for jury duty. And it's basically enjoining everyone, Hey, be on jury duty. This guy did it. And there's a picture. We can right. do it. Let, let me tell you who the picture is. There on the picture, it's a doofusy photograph, but it's actually him, and he's holding up his doofusy jury badge. Harrison Ford. Uh, from there the, he is. From the all, of, all of those of us. No, it's Harrison Ford. Came in apparently. Demi Moore. It was, hey, is he bald? He came in at one point. He <laughs> did jury duty for the for Glendale Court or whatever, and and they and he's like, yeah, sure, you can take my picture and put it up on this poster for all the people that have to sit in line and wait to pay their their fines That's or whatever. What for. So he is there shilling for the Glendale courthouse, and he's doing it because court too. And he's doing it because he's a celebrity and not an actor. And this, by the way, is something that Jeremy Irons. Daniel Day-Lewis and Dwayne the Rock Johnson would never do. Okay. See I what see I did? There. Yeah, you tucked him in at the end as a footnote. <laughs> well,
0: here's the thing. We saw a preview for a movie in which Harrison Ford appears as a bald man.
1: He's and following Dwayne Johnson's inspiration. And I'm convinced that yeah, he is listening funny. to the podcast
0: and heard you denigrating him and saying that Dwayne the Rock Johnson is a better actor. And so he said, I can act without hair. And so that's what he's doing. I
1: applaud his attempt, but it's not going to work, Harrison. Uh, Harrison, you're a fine celebrity. You are certainly an iconic figure, but you, sir, are no Dwayne Johnson. Well, did he write the poster? He condoned it, Kelly Wand.
2: Mm, That's kind of like writing. Don't call Harrison. He prefers to
0: be called Han.
1: (laughs) So anyway, does that sway you guys at all in my ongoing argument that Dwayne Johnson is a better actor than Harrison Ford? Did that have any weight whatsoever?
0: I would say he's a taller actor.
1: (laughs) Which one? Dwayne's
0: taller, yes. Wait, which, uh, which one? No, I gave no antecedent, <laughs> I just said he.
2: So you have to. Oh, that's what Tom's ticket was for. <laughs> for for not. Pavement, you had to clean like that Harrison, shit up, Tom. No, yeah. Well, you were thinking about Dwayne Johnson and caused a public disturbance and puddle. <laughs>
1: Is and that what the he was
2: for? Ford yeah, and Harris Ford ruled against you. And all that's right. part of a bitter, your bitter acts. Alright, well
1: I apologize for for all that. That was a long uh, way to go. It was to totally to about movies though. For my argument. It was about movies. It was about figures in movies. Um yeah. So but let's get to movies. Uh, Ingus, what movie did we see this week? Uh before we get to that,
0: can I do a little bit of podcast errata
1: first? Ooh, yeah. Oh, errata. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, how dare you. What did, what did you get wrong, Dingus? Did, All did, right, somebody, uh, did, did one of the interns from the, the corrections uh, floor down below send up a notice to you? Is that what happened? Uh,
0: yes, I did get. I, when you say that, it reminds me of Brazil. It, I feel like I just got a little piece of paper from mm-hmm. the, some tube in Brazil. Uh, but this is from a listener of ours uh, named Andrew. And uh, this is what Andrew has to say. Now this is from, this is in response to a podcast from a while ago, but you'll understand why I'm saying it now. Uh, forgot to mention it last week in my email, but I noticed that you credited the Wirehead Minotaur in one of the Titans movies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we all know this from Immortals.
0: Wirehead? What's that mean? <laughs> I haven't heard this week's podcast, so I don't know if it has been credit corrected, but this is actually Henry Cavill, or Cavill, I still don't know how to pronounce his name. In- In The Immortals. I wouldn't point it out at all if it wasn't giving Sam Worthington too much credit. Regards, love the podcast, you guys are great. Andrew. So, uh, I made a mistake. I credited The Wirehead Minotaur as being from one of the Titans movies and not from The Immortals, which uh, I'm sorry to tell you, Andrew is actually called Immortals, not The Immortals, but Uh, thank you for the correction.
1: Basically, the way that we know that that was a mistake, Dingus, is that if it had been from either Wrath or Clash or the Titans, it would have been some crazy CG thing and they wouldn't have bothered to wrap, like, to wrap Bob Wire on its head. But when you wrap Bob Wire around your around your Minotaur head, that's, that's a Tarsem signature move. So that's a good point, known,
0: but yeah. stop saying it like that. It's not yeah, bob, bob, bob Wire. Stop it. Shit.
1: That's what zoo. we call it in Arkansas. It's like windmills and bobwire. wire. It's, we just have different ways of talking down there. I'm it's sorry. <laughs> windmills and barbed wire here on uh, the morning zoo. <laughs> it's
2: a barb cat that got through the barbed wire. Huh, Tom? That makes no sense, Kelly Wand. Oh, circumference, tornado speed, that's high.
1: Well, let's get into that later in the podcast. But first, without spoiling anything in Man of Steel, Dingus, tell folks what we saw this week.
0: All right. Well, this week we saw Man of Steel. Hmm. A 2013 action adventure fantasy superhero movie that, according to IMDb, is about a young itinerant. Stop <laughs> it, Kelly! I'm trying to read something I'm sorry. here. Sorry. I mean recite. Uh, about a young itinerant worker who is forced to confront <laughs> who is forced to confront his secret extraterrestrial heritage. When Earth is invaded by members of his race.
1: Oh yeah, it's his fault. Yep, I have to say, Dingus. During that description, there are parts of that description where it could be any number of movies, but as the description goes along, it increasingly narrows it down <laughs> to where, by the time the description is over, it could only be about Man of Steel.
0: It is. A, it is sort of a, a, a description of Twenty Questions. You're right.
1: Yeah.
2: Wait, that's the name of the movie.
1: It was directed by Zack Snyder. And hey, Dingus, let's once more with a straight face. Let's try it one more time. Try to say his name without giggling. It was directed
0: by Zack Snyder. Very good. Oh, Dingus, you're a consummate professional. Well done. I am consummate. And written by David S. Goyer, with a story credit for Christopher Nolan. Hmm. Uh. And based on Superman, created
2: by Jerry Seigel and Paul <laughs> <Gold laughs> Schuster. It's Scuster. <laughs> oh, if, don't let the fat. Don't get the Z-Bone on your ass.
0: Get Z-Bone on my ass. Go ahead. All day long. It stars Henry Cable, Amy Adams, Michael Shannon, Rebecca Buller, and Michael Kelly. What? Man of... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> this next step. Man of Steel is rated PG-13. Mm.
1: Oh, Can't like, wait for this. See. Yes?
0: For intense sequences of sci-fi violence, action, and destruction.
2: <laughs> Wait, that's the worst. Wait, so if you construct something with CG, that's G, right? Uh, so if, if you if you can balance it
0: out so that there's more construction than destruction.
2: What about? If, but some stuff gets torn down in the natural course of erosion.
0: Okay. Yeah, this isn't about entropy. We're just, talking about thermodynamics here. <laughs> entropy of the Bob Wire. <laughs> What?
2: What are we talking about? Superman movie. Okay, got it. And some language. <laughs> In Different languages. Remember?
1: Uh, all right. So, Man of Steel is not faring well critically on Metacritic. What? It's at uh, which is the average of, of reviews that use ratings and other reviews. Uh, Man of Steel is at fifty-five out of a hundred. Uh. Uh-huh. On Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive. Man of Steel is at 56%. I thought everybody liked it. Everybody, uh, everybody, well, the people liked it, Kelly. One, the people have spoken. Man of Steel is the number one movie this weekend, of course. That's not surprising. But what is surprising is it, it, it made a very healthy 113 million. Uh, it's, it's, uh. That seems low. Um, it's not, it's actually on par with what the Brandon Ruth Superman did. Um,
2: Iron Man pounded it then.
1: Oh, oh, absolutely! But it's—I uh, think for an early summer movie, I believe it set records. Uh, it's a record for a non-sequel. I think it's number four as it's far as. It's not a non-sequel.
2: non-sequel. It's a. Fuck. What's more? What's less of a
1: sequel? Er, well, it's a non-sequel, Kelly Wand, in that it's a reboot. It doesn't star it. Uh, the same cast. It doesn't have like a, a <laughs> director's name behind it from previous movies. Like, it's not part of. I, I think basically, in people's eyes, Superman is. Nobody remembers the Brandon Ruth one yeah, cuz
2: they rebooted every movie. So right. <laughs> that so therefore the okay.
0: And it doesn't the, the have it, for reboot has beca- is becoming increasingly narrow. Right. I mean next week they're going to remake it. Yeah, cuz it was
1: in 20. It doesn't have the, I guess the point is is it doesn't have the either the baggage or the heft behind it, that something like the Spider-Man reboot had. Spider-Man was still an ongoing concern. I think Superman at this point, there's, it, it doesn't have any sort of a following as far as people who go to movies. Yeah, but
2: Spider-Man uh, at least gave us three movies before they make us watch an origin story again, and then every Superman movie is the same fucking origin
0: story. Well, it feels like people uh, a bunch of people trying to, tr- trying to start a car. You know, well, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try this.
2: <laughs> he picks up a car in the first issue of the comic. So, in a way, it was ahead of its time. Good
1: point. That is a good point. Uh, let's actually get a synopsis of this, Kelly Wand. what uh, How would you describe the events of this movie in a short, synopsized form? And what would you call such a thing? <laughs> Superman,
2: Man of Steepsis.
1: Kelly Wand, I want you to drive it like you stole it. That's your very good friend. Oh, I had a Rata too. You probably want <laughs> he- the opposite uh, well, I think. Well, you know what? Go ahead. I'll keep just us, really quick. A, just little, say, a little suspense before the synopsis is not a bad thing.
2: It's really great to be my dumber but warmer country's national treasure again. Um, but when you're talking about your court story and like mm-hmm. in Canada, they're like, "Oh, you're going to LA." It's like the lifestyle there, the weather's so much better. But if you're here, it's like you're always mm-hmm. driving from somewhere annoying to someplace worse. All mm-hmm. time the more you know. But seeing movies is better here. All right. Superman of Steepsis. Jor-El. <clears throat> Councilman, our planet is doomed. Thus all the earthquakes and shaky cam. Good work, Jor, son of L Niece of Semi, call it. If you had discovered this in time, our whole super-advanced hyper-civilization would have been wiped out. Guess you being our only scientist has really paid off. <laughs> We're giving you a raise. Great work. Seriously. Uh, yeah, it's too late, actually. We're all going to die. I guess we don't have space travel yet. Except me. Actually, that's the good news. I made an escape ship, but since I based it on something I saw in After Earth, it's only big enough for a three-year-old. I was pretty worn out for making the earthquake detector, since the quakes were distracting me while I screwed in wires. How big a raise? Oh wait, yikes, look it, it's that lovably furious military commander, General Zod, and his goth girl, and his six other CGs. Is that his whole army? Lols. Hey, council guys, are me and Zod friends? I wasn't, and continue to not listen. Nobody move or my goth chick and six other guys will let Jor-El go but kill him later, and I guess get caught. By who, we got cops? Anyway, I'm General Zod, I guess we have a military. Are we at war? Meant to ask that back when I was a major. Uh, you know, it was a Thursday. It was a mental weird headspace. Gary there knows what I'm talking about. Anyway, I love Krypton. So death to Jor and all of you. Uh, sod, this is madness. This is Snyder. I mean Krypton. Hey, let's harness UCG to preserve bloodlines. Never. Favouring bloodlines is selfish and evil, unless it's my son, or Will Smith's, or Zack Snyder's wife. <laughs> Don't be though. Sure well. things. Well, Laura, my beloved, at least we were married for these few weeks before the world ended, although I did spend most of that time getting ignored at council meetings and making this ship here for what's-his-face. But I wouldn't have had it any other way. Although I kind of miss being single, actually. What's your sister's name again? Oh, Kryptonian honey now that our baby's born, I want him to die too, with us. Too late, putting him in the pod. (laughs) Couldn't you have made a bigger one to hold all of us, since you're smart? Uh, yeah, but I also invented being around later as a ghost, like Obi-Wan. (laughs) The live exposition about codexes with a D. Anyway, the kid will live, so of the three of us, you'll be the really dead one. Now let's see where to send them. Hmm, Kansas is a slave state. Jor-El, it's me again. Michael Shannon. (laughs) 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 Uh, Uh, I mean, you launch something into space, then in accordance with our futuristic custom die from this PG-13 knife wound. (laughs) No! I'm still hitting buttons. <laughs> General Zod, our planet only has two minutes left, but for the crime of PG-13 stabbing, however thoroughly <laughs> and unmotivated, you and your CGs are sentenced to immortality <laughs> to distance from the explosion. And we're also giving you the place to build a spaceship, not that we have space travel. And keep up this behavior, sir, and you just might get demoted to Major General. Ah, Jorah was right. You're all well, Krypton forever, except you guys. And Jorah's kid. Uh, I gotta act. Well son, you saved a school bus full of kids today. I'm very disappointed in you. <laughs> Always let kids drown. Luckily only one of them will remember this event ever wonder if maybe one of your latent abilities is bad luck? Just seems like whenever you're around, more tires blow out and elevator cables snap than all final destinations combined. Anyway, we need to keep your powers a secret to keep you safe, not that anyone can hurt you so you can lead a normal life. Speaking of which, sex is fatal for your partners. So start with Martha. Just kidding, son. But think about it. My real father would like school buses. Oh, and nice work. Didn't think anyone could out Spider-Man's uncle. Clark! That's all right, Martha. With great power, sometimes dead is better. <clears throat> now, the barn, son. There's something I think you should see. Although, since you have X-ray vision, you're probably already. <laughs> oh, a spaceship. How'd you get it in here? Does it still fly? Why'd you keep it all these years? How'd I not find it? Wait, I didn't know I was an alien till now? Haven't I been manifesting weird abilities since my arrival? How'd you fake my birth, medical records, and breastfeeding? How come Zod can't see this shit later, either, instead of torturing Diane Lane for its location, like in T2, where the dude can change his voice, but still tortures Limit Hamilton, whatever her fucking name is? Haha, that kid who saved my life and never gets hurt ran into a closet after seeing my skeleton. Clarky, it's me, Diane Lane. What now? Mom, everything's so loud. Skyscraper falling every five seconds. Punches in the face. Concrete. Sonic booms. Bullets doing nothing. Almost three hours. Clark, you'll be all right. Just shut your ears. Now I want you to take off your 3D glasses and I want you to step. On your feet. Okay, baby. All right, Miss Lane. We don't want you here, but since you're a reporter, here's your igloo. Turned <laughs> with a dozen seals, not the be kind. If I gotta go stink. Yeah, there's a bucket on your bed there. Careful. Only one we got for the whole camp. A lot of dysentery going around. Damn you, Louis. I was JKing about you being a crackpot and also about winning the Pulitzer Prize. Me and the boys didn't think it'd make you that horny. Anyway, we can't run your story. They'd kill him. You know how stupid our customer base is. In fact, let's just put a lid on every news story for now. God, I hate this business. Well, Superman, looks I alone cared enough to figure out your secret identity. Now I've tracked you down and forced you to have a conversation with the feds. <laughs> Clear are in love. Nice S, by the way. It's no it's supposed to be a dollar sign, but <laughs> <the head. laughs> on my world it's a symbol for three D. Oh, mom and it's flashback. Can't we use my heat vision to at least reheat the pizza? Clark, what did we learn in the spanking (laughs) barn? No, first for anything practical. That's right. Rosen pizza was good enough for the whale till Jonah came along, and whale's good enough for Kansans. Being a farmer blows. Wish I'd light it on Mercury. Hey, look, tornado right in front of us, or as I call it, a torn pertunate, More learn it. Inexplicably now, you two watch from across the street while I gesture vaguely to these other folks to walk away from it. Dad, you sure I'm the one with superpowers, even if they don't include tornado detection? Hush. Some harvests are best paid for in blood. Everyone cower behind my wife and alien son. I'll hold them off. Mom, we forgot the dog. Stupid mistake. Dad, stop waving goodbye and tapping your watch and yawning. No You did the right thing, Clark. He was a monster. Pretty heroic of him you were twenty feet away when the tornado fizzled out instantly. Do not adjust your set, I speak all your languages, although on Krypton we spoke English. Surrender Cal El or I'll kill him and all of you, regardless. You have until now. Alright, superman, you heard that other alien. You gotta do whatever he says. It's an order from the president to you. Now get moving. We're not brandishing these guns just for show. cool thing for the Flash to do, since he can speed-talk Paul. He does a book on tape, but it's every book all on one tape. <laughs> a bunch of stuff happens involving skyscrapers. Zod pitches a truck into Ma Kent's roof. He the boys have decided to start calling him Superman after a favorite Nietzsche essay. <laughs> Stop, turn your eyes off. Cowering victims, it's been two minutes. Try running. Good work, Superman. You broke his neck. Too bad you didn't think of that earlier. Oh, also, that scientist character killed the chick by exploding something. Apparently, explosions work against them if it's the end of the movie. Also, all the rest are dead. Also, we rebuilt Metropolis, although everybody's still dead. Awesome. Did Lawrence Fishburne ever finish pry concrete off that chick?
1: <laughs> no.
2: Uh, my condolences. But guess what? I can't be your egg.
0: <laughs> Nothing, sorry.
2: And the internet to track down evildoers, and I thought since you work for a print tabloid, and you want a Pulitzer Prize for not writing about me, and we kissed. You can use my natural investigative talent to augment your fight against evil? No, I thought we could work together. I've always wanted to write news copy. Don't worry about things getting weird. I'll pose as a member of your species indefinitely by wearing these glasses. Just pretend I'm an octopus. How do you think I made it through our kiss?
0: Is that another house? <laughs> What's...
2: Right. Superman. It's over.
1: <laughs> you didn't say the end. I didn't know if there were more sound effects coming. I <laughs> Uh, All right. So, uh, Kelly Wand, why don't you get in here first? Uh, Is my prediction – my prediction last week was that this would be the worst movie we would see all summer. I was dreading seeing it. Uh, I think to varying degrees we have liked or disliked Watchmen and 300, and certainly we all thought Sucker Punch was pretty ridiculous. Uh, Kelly Wand, what do you think of my prediction from last week that this would be the worst thing we're going to see all summer?
2: Well, it's only been a week, so you're really comparing one movie to, like, what else? You mean, at so far of the last two weeks, is it worse than After Earth? <laughs> is that your question? or It's worse than everything we haven't seen yet.
1: Well, basically, it sounds like you're being charitable. You feel like uh, it's not, you didn't come out of this thinking, well, Tom might be right. This could be the worst thing we've, we'll see all summer. That, that wasn't your, your thinking afterwards?
2: Uh, I just
1: don't know what worst means anymore, because I don't know what I
2: expect. <laughs> It was pretty much exactly what I thought I was going to see.
1: For all right, okay. Uh, Dingus, how did it uh, live up to? Or I, I know you were kind of dreading seeing it as well. Uh, how did it either live up to or not live up to your expectations or lack thereof? Uh, it it lived up to and
0: beyond them admirably. It is not the worst thing I've seen all seen all summer, and I doubt it will be. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? In fact, I know it won't be. I really loved it, so sorry. Um, I'm going to be that guy.
1: Yeah, I've seen two movies already this summer that I hated way worse than uh, Superman, or it's not even Superman, Man of Steel. Uh, You know, I would rather watch Man of Steel again easily than sit through After Earth, or even that Star Trek movie. I know, Dingus, you loved that Star Trek movie. I was just bored out of my skull with that thing, but... Uh, I, I fully expected this was going to be worse than either of those. I, I just, I, maybe because my hopes were, were so low. Uh, I really enjoyed it as well. I, I certainly came around. It got me, you know, I, I, got on board with it early on. I, I was into it most of the time. I thought it kind of fell apart, but that was okay. Uh, I, I had a grand time with this. I was very happy with it and, and was just delighted at how, how wrong I was to, to be dreading it.
0: <laughs> me too. It even grabbed me emotionally, but, uh, I mean, it, I, I, I would rather see this than, and I really, really did like, uh, Star Trek, Star Trek Into Darkness, um, very much, but I'd rather see this again. Uh, I just, there's so many little things that I liked about it. I like it when movie, when a movie gets me with little things, and this had a lot of that going on
1: for it. I really like this movie a lot. And I was surprised at that too, Dingus, that, that, that so many little things were right, just because after Sucker Punch, I had lost any confidence that Zack Snyder knew what he was doing or was anything other than a horny tone deaf teenager. Uh, so. That was my expectation going in, but watching Super or watching Man of Steel, I got the sense that you know what this? Yeah, this is the guy that did 300. This is the guy that uh, that did Watchmen. He knows what he's doing. He he can be stylish. He can even be restrained at times. Exactly, restrained is exactly the right word because I thought he was
0: working against some of the things he normally relies upon mm-hmm. in doing this movie, and I really appreciated that. I I thought, I mean, this is a huge movie, and he's trying some things that aren't his calling card or are against what he normally does, uh, or, or just dropping some of his crutches, and he really made a good movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly Wan, you mentioned something about uh, origin story stories earlier. Did this, uh, for you, have any of that? Because I, I, again, did not want to see an origin story. Uh, how did this hold up for you as far as, like, well, we're going to do an origin story again? Was that a liability against it? Did you feel it was handled well this time around? How, how does this rank uh, amongst origin stories for you? It ranks low, but with none of the origin stories are that interesting.
2: I mean, and this was like the first one before they realized they had to like kind of trick them out more. I guess, but I didn't. I don't know if I got a sense of Krypton was why I should be bummed when it blows up. And I think I did like Star Trek better because it was funnier and I laughed a lot. And this movie was like deadly
1: serious. For the it really Lord was, Kent. wasn't it? Yeah. It was very earnest. Um I mean, how you know, so Christopher Reeve was this,
2: the way he would play Clark Kent was kind of one of the best things about those movies. And I didn't hate what this guy was doing, but it seemed like he made Superman kind of more boring. Like without his powers. He's not that interesting in this movie.
1: Well, hold off that because I, I want to talk about Henry Cavill in, in a moment. But um, one of the things that tempered the fact for me that we're seeing yet another origin story, and Lord knows I just I don't need to see any more origin stories for anyone. I'm so over them. Um, two things that got me with this particular take on an origin story: I really admired the absolute over-the-top batshit audacity of the opening of this thing. Yes. Thank I mean, you. Oh my golly. I, I was, I, I hadn't seen any trailers, by the way, so that helped. But when this movie started and there was like a space battle and dragons <laughs> and there's a, like a floating 3D printer cell phone, um, it, it's sort of like, oh, this is what Sucker Punch would have been if it wasn't trying to be about teenage girls. Uh, <laughs> And, and just absolutely ridiculous. And if you're going to do an origin story, then by golly, just be off the hook like that and just show me something crazy. You know, I really liked Krypton's take on like all that sort of vaguely bug-like tech. Um, so that part really helped a lot. If you're going to show me an origin story, show me something like new and weird and audacious like this and just fun and absurd. Um, so I liked that. And then I really liked how we cut, we don't go through those normal beats of, and then, uh, what are their names? John and Martha Kent find the baby, yeah. and they raise it, and now they're going to discover that the baby is strong, and now they're going to send it to kindergarten, and now it's going to be a teenager. I liked how we just cut to him working on a, on a fishing ship, and how Zack Snyder would gradually sort of fold in little flashbacks at appropriate, narrative, at appropriate sort of dramatic beats. Um, and so it didn't feel like this turgidly unfolding origin story so much as a, this in-media rest. Okay, here's Superman in progress, and every now and then we'll take a short break to give you a flashback. Uh, that helped for me a lot, I think. And plus, there's a sense of
0: we, we know you've all been here before, yeah. and we're going to show you it a little bit differently. We're not going to give that, oh, my gosh, Mom and Dad are looking at each other like, <gasps> he just lifted the <laughs> washer washer and dryer. why. <laughs> it's um, so Kelly, I'm really curious as to why you, why you would say that about, uh, not having any idea about Krypton when in the first movie you have, in the Richard Donner movie or the Christopher Reeve movie, you have no idea why the hell Krypton exists or what it is. It could be Hoth for all we know. But here at least you get a sense of the civilization or the idea that there's, there's something going on in culturally that they're fighting for and that has something to do with what's going on, yeah, I mean, Zod gets more of a con treatment here, but
2: at least you have more of a sense of Krypton. Why are you saying that? Because those visuals didn't mean anything. They were kind of like Sucker Punch. They were weightless. Like, I don't know why he's riding the dragon to the place. And then it's blown up. Like, the second I'll get invested in it, it's already moved to Earth already. Like, is he fighting Zod? Wouldn't Zod defect? What's that? These are questions if you're gonna show me the dragons in the volcano <laughs> <laughs> A little of the Shire, so go, oh, okay, they don't want to be there, but this is happening. Like I get stuck on how much charl knew and why they can't. not it, it usually in that words, they just kinda of blow past that. Like, all right, he's the only survivor, but then there's a dog too and it's kind of <laughs>
0: Well, I love all of that. I love the way uh, Krypton is set up. I mean, what you're talking about could have a whole movie of its own, the Krypton Chronicles, if you want. Um,
2: But They're plastic costumes, and it kind of takes me out of it. Like I was going, oh, wait, is this dragon's going to fight? No, it's just going to land.
0: No, I think the costumes in this are freaking great.
1: No kidding. I, I mean, it's in an absurd way, though. I mean, like, yeah. when, when they start putting on, like, World of Warcraft armor, I was like, <laughs> what? Really? Okay, fine. I'll, I'll look at that. Rock and roll. Exactly.
0: Uh, I couldn't stop focusing on Michael Shannon's collar for most of the
1: time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and even those goofy, like... uh base sack, like clear plastic sack breathing things, and yeah. I just, I, you know, that kind of stuff, like, I hadn't really seen anything like that before. Some of that was original and refreshing, and uh, and then just wearing goofy armor. I mean, I just had to applaud them for, for just, like again, the audacity of some of that.
2: All punching, just like Star Trek, a science fiction movie, and then it's like, punch, punch, punch.
1: Well, you know what? Okay, Kelly-Wan, let's get into that before, and, and I do want to come around to what we thought of Henry Cavill. Uh, so, did, do you feel that that was his, so? So Kelly, I want to talk more about this? Like, it did did it feel to you like, like like there was no tension there? Like, did you uh, like that that was a drawback? I guess you just felt like a bunch of inconsequential punching was going on.
2: Essentially, yeah. And I thought of it during Star Trek too, and Star Trek just seemed maybe a little weirder because that's supposed to be the future and they have these phasers, but instead they use their fists. While well, Superman just does punch stuff, <laughs> at least. I, I remember thinking the old ones he used his wits too, or would use powers in a way he never we'd never seen before, I and mean, like spending the time travel Earth, which he never does again. It's like in this, he just breaks the guy's neck. It's all just a wrestling.
1: Uh, Dingus, do you do you concur? How did it? How did the, the action stuff play out for you? Did did the, any of that work for you? Uh you know I was a little
0: nervous at the beginning because the fighting in the earlier parts and I'm now realizing it was anything involving Russell Crowe you couldn't tell what the hell was going on. Oh, uh on. you you just and, I, and it was so weird for me. Uh, I couldn't see anything. Uh and I was surprised because with Zack Snyder it's usually we're going to freeze every single frame and show you every single punch and splattering blood. But later on I started to get this feeling of just the overwhelming nature of their speed and how that plays into their ability to fight. And I I love the way that he plays against his tendency to do slow mo or bullet time yeah. and just shows the the out of control speed, especially in relation to uh Cal <laughs> who can't control his powers yet and thus can't control how fast and powerful he is. And so when he hits somebody, he's going to go through 15 buildings. Um, and I, 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 I loved the way that the action went in this. I absolutely loved it.
1: It struck me as the latter day CG realization of what I remember from Superman 2. You know, just those crazy fights with Terrence Stamp in the city and going through walls. This was that with this modern day CG sort of hyperactive adrenaline yeah. cinematic mentality. And I liked a lot of it. And I, I even, so Kelly I do agree with you in a way in that I, I, the movie really, I thought, fell apart in the, the finale. Like, w- once it became, um, I love that they didn't do a bunch of kryptonite bull crap, but w- once it became all this, like, weird doodad based stuff about we're going to bring this bomb and drop it here, and Richard Schiff has to push this button, and Superman has to punch this world engine in the weak point, and once it became all of that. <laughs> I I was like, oh, so early on in the movie, I was like, Zack Snyder, please don't screw up, please don't screw up, please don't screw up. And he's going along great, but I do feel that by the time it was over, he had completely screwed up. The finale, I just thought, completely lost me. I was bored, but I had a lot of goodwill for it at that point. But even that fight, that that fight with Michael Shannon, the technique of some of that, I really enjoyed. Just the visuals of it, but Kelly Wand, I'm with you 100% in that after, you know, a few punches, I'm sitting there wondering as an audience member, what do they think is going to happen? I mean, what? They're just, <laughs> why are they even bothering? Uh, where you know? And then when he just randomly breaks his neck so that he can save the cowering family from Zod's eye beams or whatever, I was like, really? That's the, that's the finale. They're just going to sort of punch each other to no effect. And, oh, he could have broken his neck like what so Kelly Wan, I'm with you in terms of the finale, but I have to say that second act where he saves Diane Lane and where we start to see all of their all of them banging into each other and the little fight in the town, and when they bring in the military hardware, man, I loved all of that like I was it was like a little kid watching an action movie, and I was so swept up in all that, and that stuff worked for me so well because. It wasn't trying to create any dramatic tension about who's going to win in this punch out. It was more stuff about how is the army going to react to him. You know here are these these two entities the the Zod people and Superman fighting, and then here comes humanity. And and it gets to what I think is the 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 central reason that this Superman wasn't dopey for me, and that is if you're going to make a movie about this invulnerable dude and you're not going to resort to like do dad drama with kryptonite or whatever, what better way to do it than to make the movie about his relationship to humanity? You know, how do human beings feel about him? And for so long that's what that's what it was about. You know, is he's he's kind of this urban legend and he's undercover and he he sort of. You know, moving around without an identity. And uh, it's about, you know, is humanity going to turn against him at some point? So for me, that whole action sequence, you know, humanity was the third party in that. And and the movie's main payoff for me was Christopher Maloney saying to these soldiers, this man is not our enemy. You know, that for me was the peak of the movie. Like It did, I, it couldn't have ended there because I had to resolve the Zod stuff. But that for me was just like where my goodwill for this movie just reached a peak. And I was like, yeah, Zack Snyder. I just wanted to like stand up and say, yeah, you don't suck. This is awesome. Um, <laughs> it's not out of me. <laughs> <It pops this.
0: laughs> I, I'm curious about why you don't, why you guys hate origin stories so much. Why are you? I don't understand why you're against that.
2: And you have to see them over and over, and then they, they always keep that shit can't, and then they change stuff later, but they may as well change the origin too.
1: I mean, the problem with the origin stories is, yeah, it's like Kelly's getting at It's just the familiarity there, and, and they have such obligatory beats so often. Um, you know, the, the dramatic arc of an origin story is just so... I've just been there so many times, so for this movie to be so concerned about you know triangulating Superman's position to humanity and design like like that was a much more dramatic structure for me than Superman trying to deal with his own power and responsibility and with great obligation come whatever all of that junk with um, great obligation comes great <laughs> filling out of forms <laughs> uh but but yeah so this is uh you know for me and and here's the thing this is probably probably everybody but me knows this 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 idea too that superman wasn't there you know he wasn't using his invulnerability and his power to to lead of course that that his dad's uh message to him was you know he, i'm i'm giving you to humanity guide them give them hope uh show them their potential for for good uh and that it's this kind of jesus metaphor that he's like a bridge between the divine and the human, between the the invulnerable and the the fallible. Uh, you know that that he's he's a, a bridge between these two worlds, uh, and they play that up a little bit. And I, I liked that sense. What's that, Kellywan? It's the wisdom, what, that, it's the wisdom. The wisdom, the pearls, the
2: teachings.
1: But it also gets to something that I really admired about Dark Knight. Um, and Kellywan, this is something that you pointed out. Uh, you know. Dark Knight, in, in Dark Knight, Batman doesn't save Gotham. Gotham saves itself. Um, yeah. yeah. And I really liked that. That seemed to be the point of the Superman is you're not here to save the people. You're not here to lead them. You're here to sh- to to make them realize the good parts of themselves, to give them hope. Um. You know. It, it, unfortunately, it, Superman does save them by punching the world engine at the weak point. But <laughs> until it. <laughs> <laughs> until it gets to that point i really like what they're leaning towards with the script and that's where when christopher nolan's name came up as is getting a story credit that kind of made sense to me like david goyer whatever he's doing goofy he's been doing goofy super hero comic book stuff forever but that to me seemed like it, it was christopher nolan's fingerprints is this story about the superhero is not the point. He is the inspiration and that people should be able to save themselves, you know, that people are fundamentally good. Um, I wish it had gone a little further with that, but I was really enjoying while I was exploring those themes. And and it just made me think of Jesus, you know. I guess everybody knows that. that Superman is kind of a Jesus story. Uh, but what what's great about this is that as with
0: Jesus, at least as a younger character In this, go ahead and laugh about this. But at least in this, I don't get a sense of Superman as one of the things that was I was dreading is is the fact that this character is an invulnerable character and it's barely it's basically uninteresting because of that to me anyway. But I got a sense of his fragility. Um, I got a sense of that in the way that they were feathering in the, the flashbacks and in the way that he was sort of dealing with. Uh, who he is and how he's going to uh, make this bargain for mankind and deal with mankind and the, the burden of the responsibility that is upon him, not just for this world but for other worlds and for all of civilization across dimensions. I don't know. It was just this weird sense of fragility that I got from the character that I've never sensed before in – in any of the movies that I've seen about this or in playing games about this character. He's just so overpowered that you think, why bother watching a story about him? And I didn't get that sense this time, at least until we get to the point where he punches the world machine.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, Dingus, let's talk briefly about how much that has to do with uh, Henry C- Cav- Cavill, Cavill, whatever. Uh, how, did, how did you find him, Dingus? What did you think of our new Superman? Uh, you know, I really
0: liked him. Uh, there, there were, there was one moment where I kind of had to laugh at him at the end where Michael Shannon in, in their, uh, Michael Shannon is raging moment and Henry Cavill is looking like I don't know what word you would use in Suissant or I don't know how you pronounce that, but he just sort of like gives him a little expression like, mm. uh, and Michael Shannon has just said this raging diatribe and he's so powerful. Michael Shannon is so powerful. And Henry Cable is just like, eh, whatever. Um, <laughs> but he's got a couple of moments that I love so much. And I think he's, I, I think he's fine. I, I don't, I, I don't know that he's, um, distinctive, uh, but he doesn't mess it up, and I like him. Kelly Wand, how, how did you uh, – what did you think of Henry Cavill?
2: Mm. Mm. I mean, he's he not as good as Christopher Reeve, but he's better than Brandon
0: wow. Well, Christopher Reeve's playing a different part. This is not the same part. Yeah.
2: Yeah, stuff I that's like. where he's playing a goofball who
0: who uses his finger to push his glasses up from the bridge of his nose. I mean, he's playing a nerd. Uh, he's playing a, a hunk who's pretending to be a nerd, and everybody's pretending they don't notice that. I mean, it's a totally different – it's a campy movie. It's a totally different part. Uh, I think that, that Henry Cavill has a harder job, and he certainly does
1: better than Brandon Ruth, And I liked him. I thought he was good. I'm more inclined, I, I would go so far with you, Dingus, as to say he didn't mess it up. I definitely agree with that. But, uh, for me, there just was a, a kind of a spark missing, and I wouldn't even begin to know what exactly that is, or who might have it instead. But he just struck me as this blandly pretty guy. Um, I, I really liked when they were playing him up as this blue-collar Pacific Northwest grunge Superman with a beard. Like, like that was different, but once he shaved and became just just a nice guy and was supposed to be having chemistry with Amy Adams. Um, but I don't really know what you can do with Superman, though. Well, who, who's the guy – you just made me think of something. Who's the guy in the claim?
0: Wes Bentley? Wes Bentley. Uh, you know, the fact that of – of his beard <laughs> and his beard suddenly disappearing right. makes yes. me think of Wes Bentley for some reason. I unfortunately, carry this off.
1: Well, unfortunately, I think it's Wes Bentley has been doing these these just – Dopey uh, like villain roles, like in Hunger Games, and there's a horror oh. movie called P Two. West Bentley's kind of jumped the shark <laughs> in a way, um, but yeah, you know what? There's this, there's this in, in West Bentley's uh, in The Claim and in American Beauty. He had this weird uh, sort of like gleam in his eye, and there's nothing like that in in Henry Cavill. You know, there's no edge to him, and I guess maybe Superman doesn't really need that. um but you know at the end during that moment uh where we have an, an and now a brief editorial about drone technology you know during that <laughs> scene uh when when the 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 i don't know whatever the aide de camp or whoever that girl is uh smirks and says i just think he's kind of hot you know during that line i mean my re- she said that and I, my response was well you know, duh, he looks like an underwear model, of course. This is this is news to no one. That's pretty much all he is. He's just this kind of hot dude, uh, without much spark. And I don't know, so maybe I'm more leaning towards Kelly and as far as like not being impressed with him. And and plus, I don't have all of the baggage of an Immortals fan that Dingus has. So that might have something to do with it.
0: Can I ask about her character? Is she the same one who's asking all the uh
1: Question. Oh yeah. <laughs> the audience questioner. Boy, yeah, the, I'm the voice the Is that of the, the audience. same character? I think so. Yeah, like why would they dole out those lines? The- I really liked
0: that actress when she was asking those those ridiculous audience questions. <laughs> and as soon as she said he's kind of hot, I was like, oh. Oh, is that what we're gonna do? Yeah. It, Cause that, that, the whole, that scene, and then when he goes to the cemetery with his mom at the end, felt like Steven Spielberg ran in to direct the last scene from Save and Private Ryan all of a sudden. And I, I didn't feel like those last two scenes were directed by
1: Zack Snyder. Who, Dingus, who directed the kissing scene? Uh,
0: there was a kissing scene?
1: God, that was horrible, too. Is that just me? I mean, I just... oh, please. Have, I was what just was, waiting
0: for her to get amnesia right then. And then I was wondering <laughs> at the end, uh, when she meets him at the Daily Planet, does she have amnesia? Does she know him? She doesn't know him. Kind of. Does she know him? They know each other. Does she know well,
1: him? Well, I think it's tune in for Superman 2, and we'll oh, find out.
0: Good Lord. Sorry, sorry Man of Steel 2. Um, can I just say that I think that Hans Zimmer listened to a whole lot of John Murphy when he did this score?
1: Uh, it sounded to me like he listened to himself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I love the Dark Knight soundtrack as much as the next guy, and I was happy to have it playing during Man of Steel. Um, but that's that was what I kept thinking was.
0: I, wow. I just kept thinking of 28 Weeks Later. That whole uh, Godspeed kind of sound. Uh, Kelly trying to crib that.
1: I think. Kelly what did what did the music make you think of?
2: It's alive. <laughs>
1: Speaking of It Parenthood, Kelly Wan, what did you think of Kevin Costner and Diane Lane? Uh, <laughs> which one's more boring? I just, I, really, Kelly Wan? Neither of them worked for you, really? They're fine. It's just a boring
2: story. They're boring people.
1: Boring characters.
2: Awesome actors, boring characters.
1: But you know what? You say that, but when I talk about Henry Cavill not having that spark, I mean, I, I feel Diane Lane totally has that spark. God, I love watching her work.
2: Yeah, she doesn't get to do anything fun. She doesn't even get, get to fuck with Zod. Like, at least Aunt May, like, slaps. <laughs>
1: And, shit. and and Kevin Costner is just so evuncular and paternal in his old age. I mean I just I love watching an actor like Kevin Costner sort of getting old and sinking into these kinds of roles and it just feels so comfortable to watch that and to watch them working and uh, you know when, when Zack Snyder bathes them in golden light and yeah. you know, it's just like, yeah, this is this is so idyllic. This is this is downright Norman Rockwell for me as as a guy who grew up watching Kevin Costner movies and who thinks Diane Lane is still hot. I mean, I, I just loved all of that. See, you're,
2: um, so you're both easy. easy.
1: We really are. We really are. Golden
2: pie. You have a hair. It's like all
1: right. Well, let's talk Michael Shannon because I have a feeling we might have some major disagreements here. Dingus, you have spoken uh, about Michael Shannon as if he wasn't absurd, ridiculous, and completely miscast. <laughs> Is that the case?
0: Uh, going in I thought he would be those things and uh at a late point in the movie when he's delivering some of these ridiculous lines that he has to do and chewing scenery, I was totally on board with that. Uh I I loved him. I absolutely loved him. And we saw some what was the Harrison Ford preview where Gary Oldman is doing his silly accent. Paranoia. It's uh, yeah, a movie oh, called the, Paranoia. The Paranoia. I just kept thinking of how Gary Oldman would have screwed this up or been too much. Uh, I think uh, Michael Michael Shannon was just – and this is a, a word I've used many times before. I think he was exactly the right weight. Uh, unfortunately, um, uh, Henry Cavill is not – doesn't counterbalance him properly. They. I, I don't know how you do that. I mean we, we could go round and round on this. How you uh, – Tom, had, I think your contention, Tom, was that you can't put a star in the Superman role. You have to put an unknown or a lesser known. Uh, I don't know who else you put in that part. I don't know how you cast it. But uh, I thought Michael Shannon was
1: great. I don't know what your problem is. Yeah, I just thought – I I just was like, oh, Michael, no. I mean, I hope they're paying you a lot, but uh, it just – you know, maybe it was Dingus that it just seemed like he was like yelling in a vacuum, like he wasn't really working with anything. Even Russell Crowe, who, you know, was fine doing that part, but it just didn't feel like anyone was matching what he was doing or reacting to it in the right way. And it just felt like somebody yelling in the wind. And uh They were in he, scenes with each other, then. Who are they yelling against? What are you talking about? But just Michael like you talk about Michael Shannon's weight and I agree he's a fierce actor and I love watching that little yeah. clip of him reading that sorority letter. Uh you know, he can do something like that and make it seem like a cool dramatic performance <laughs> in a vacuum just sitting alone in a room when they're filming that. Kelly Wan, I don't know if you've seen this. There's a video of Michael Shannon reading a letter from a sorority president. This bitchy letter that she writes to the members of her sorority complaining about like sorority baggage, and it's ridiculous and absurd and petty, but Michael Shannon reads it in deadly earnest and there 's a video you can google and it's just amazing watching him do this um, so uh, you know for all intents and purposes, this for me was that same kind of thing in a movie where there was nothing really matching him or, or it's just Michael Shannon raging uh and it, it for me it just it didn't work at all um in
0: that scene though where he decides he's going to eradicate. Uh, Russell Crowe's being. Right? So he's telling the computer, I'm going to erase this guy. And then he tells him, I'm going to erase you. Right. There's this, uh, what I love about his performance is that you get that thing that he does during the sorority video is that, that thing of like, you're, you're like this fly. You're somebody I have to deal with, but also you're so irritating. And this is totally petty, but I'm going to erase you right now because I can't stand it anymore. And I love that. Michael Shannon can give you those different layers. I don't think that he's just raging. I think he's got a lot of different things that he has going on. Yeah, it didn't, uh,
1: didn't work for me. All right, let's talk Amy Adams real quick because, again, I thought she was terribly miscast. No chemistry there. Didn't understand what they were doing with her character. At one minute, she's trying to talk really tough about measuring dicks, and then literally <laughs> the next scene, she complains about not having a place to tinkle. Yeah. I'm like, well, ugh, what are they doing with her? <laughs> like, I thought she was just terrible. Again, not terrible. I just thought she was miscast and completely out of place in this. Tinkle. Dingus? Tinkle.
2: Oh, Tinkle. Yes, Kelly, want go ahead? Tinkle supposed to be a dick measuring line, too. Like, what if I had to t- like that, her, her Butch reporter.
1: I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah. Oh. So, so Dingus, when uh, Amy Adams showed up, you here's here's Dingus. Dingus sort of sat up in his chair and went. He did this little clap when Amy? You make Adams. me sound like I'm a... Uh, am I a seal? <laughs> Basically, and then I threw a fish to him. <laughs> uh, Dingus, you get Do you have the same defense for Amy Adams that you do for Michael Shannon? Did she work for you? Uh, I'm, she works.
0: interesting. I, I don't really, but I was confused uh, at that point when she showed up. I was confused by the character. Uh, I was confused by her showing up in Canada, which I thought was the Arctic at that point, but she's in Canada and she already, and then she meets him right away and she goes into the Fortress of Solitude, which isn't that, but I thought was going to be that. She already meets him. He already deals with her. I was really confused by the character and um, I think she's the wrong actress for that part. I think you have to get somebody who's, Um, it's not that Amy Adams can't handle what the, what's required of her. It's that I think you need to get somebody who's on the same basic, uh, recognition level as Henry Cavill. I, I think you have to get, I don't know, I don't know who that is. Um, but I think Uh. it's not Pia Sedora. Uh, but I think you need to get somebody, uh, on that sort of level, in order for us to feel comfortable with the two of them getting to know each other. Otherwise, I'm just looking at Amy Adams ah. and thinking it's Amy Adams.
1: When Margot Kidder played uh, Lois Lane, like, we didn't really... i like, You know what? I guess I remember her from Amityville Horror. Like, she was an established actress at that point, right?
0: I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of wish it hadn't been Lois Lane. I wish they would have had another character. I don't know what you do, but... But uh, I think you're right about her being miscast.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, some smaller actors that we might have caught our eye. Dingus, you uh, are a fan of this guy who, I guess, they kind of made him, I mean, I guess he was supposed to be the comedic relief in a movie that didn't really have any comedic relief. Uh, why don't you tell us about Michael Kelly, Dingus?
0: Um, I really, really love him from um, Hesher. Uh, I think, isn't that, wasn't he the stepfather in Hesher?
1: Mm, no, who was the stepfather in Hesher? Dad government? I want to say Jeff Daniels or something. Uh, maybe you're right, Dingus. I'm going to look that up while you talk about why uh, like I just Michael love,
0: I, I just love that guy. And when he shows up, he's that kind of uh, actor. When when they put the – God bless those actors who have that ability to to be cast in something. And the casting director knows if that person shows up in a scene, the audience is going to just relax. And I just love seeing that guy in anything and he's fine. He doesn't have a, a, a thing to do, um, other than look scared about being too close to a window and giving us this sense that we're going to run away instead of, instead of save, um, this, uh, office girl. Nobody knows who she is. Uh, I, I just like the guy. So I, I don't know yeah. what he has to do.
1: Uh, the one who caught my you know, eye... No, I'd, I'd rather him have played Lawrence Fishburne's part, quite frankly. No kidding, no kidding, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, seeing Morpheus in charge of the Daily Planet, I'm
0: not yeah, sure how I
2: felt exactly. about
0: that. exactly. Uh, although I like the character, I like that he's not a Jonah Jameson dickhead.
1: Uh, I, I don't need Lawrence Fishburne in that part. Uh, uh, so the one who caught my eye... Kelly Wand, you might have seen this. Do you know a movie called uh, Pen- Pandorum, Pandorium, something like that? The Pen- spaceship thing with Ben Foster?
2: Uh, I don't see movies about spaceships.
1: <laughs> there's a, a terrible uh, sci-fi horror movie that – like if you play the Dead Space games, this is right up your alley, uh, called Pandorum. And it's Ben Foster and I think Dennis Quaid wake up from hypersleep in a interstellar starship and there's monsters and whatever. And, uh, in the course of this movie – I don't know if this has ever happened to you guys, and uh, this might sound a little vulgar or crass, I apologize, but sometimes you might be watching a movie, and there's like an actress in the movie who is so freaking incredibly hot that it's distracting, and you kind of wish she wasn't there, and you're like, all right, I'm going to have to pause this movie and go to the restroom for a second. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, did I say that out loud? Come on. You've never seen a movie where someone is like so freaking hot that it's distracting that maybe you have to stop watching and take a break. Kelly Wan, has that ever happened to you? I'll go to the restroom for it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this movie Pandorum was like that for me. And in Pandorum… Just it, it's part of partly it's her character and it's how she's dressed. She's in this like kind of like leather tank toppy thing with her shoulders showing and just the right amount of cleavage and she's like dirty and 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 she's just badass action chick. But this German model named Angie Trau, uh is in Pandora, and it, it really was distracting for me to watch this movie with this incredibly hot chick in it. And I didn't see anything. I mean that just my I was focused completely on this woman in. Pandorum. So she's the one who played, her hair's shorter, but she's the one who played the badass, uh, like, right hand chick to Michael Sanders. That's why you knew that. I didn't understand why you said that in the credits when you're like, she played. Oh.
0: oh, God. What's the name of the character? Good Lord.
1: Uh, Shanua Faye or something like that. I
0: don't know. Yeah, what her well, name. I got confused because she said, like, Thora Al. I'm like, oh, she's from the house of Al, too?
1: I so, anyway, yeah,
0: I couldn't, I, could not... oh, no wonder. You...
1: Well, she's so incredibly hot in Pandora. I mean, it really is distracting. And I don't know if it's just me, but I, uh, that, oh, Jesus. Um, so it was really cool seeing her. I don't think she's necessarily good. And, you, you know, she, with her hair, Cut so short and not wearing that costume from Pandora, I wasn't nearly as distracted. Um, but I really liked seeing her, and they gave her some cool, fun, actiony stuff uh, to do. Did um, you get
2: the restroom during?
1: Again, no, she wasn't nearly as hot as Pandora. But I did have to excuse myself through the restroom because of uh, Henry Cavill, Kelly. Wand. what do you think of that? Mm, that's right. It was a little weird when he's like running around shirtless, rescuing a bunch of oil rig workers. I was like, what kind of movie is this I don't know. <laughs> what's awesome is that uh, I saw this movie
0: with Tom and before it began he's dreading it so much and, and he's like alright I need to leave I need to see when the purge is oh. starting <laughs> because uh, and I've I've discussed this with Tom he doesn't understand sports I've discussed the slaughter rule which you know in uh, baseball or, or softball with kids if, uh, if another team is way ahead they just call the game and so Tom is hoping to call the slaughter rule in this movie early on, and he's going to see, well, can I just run off to The Purge at some point? I said, no, you can't do that, and he just ran off. He just disappeared during well, that phase, um, opening point, and he missed the Carl's Jr. ad for Superman.
1: Uh but they- no, I, I seriously went, Dingus, to go see what time Purge started. Because I was really thinking, Superman is going to be so awful, I'm not going to want to sit here for two and a half hours and watch this stupid thing. If, you know, 15, 30 minutes, whatever into it, if there's a showing of the Purge or this is the end, I might excuse myself and go see one of those instead. Uh, so what's this that I missing? Dingus? A Carl's Jr. ad? <laughs> I thought we were talking about a guy taking his shirt off,
2: and that's what made Tom go to the restroom.
1: <laughs> I didn't. That's, I'm talking about before the movie even started. We, we got to the theater. We got our seats. And before the movie started, I left to check to see if I hate this movie enough, I'm going to leave and see something else. I did not leave to go masturbate when Henry Cavill was running around without a shirt. I want to make that clear.
2: You're right. already done by that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so there's this, this ad, and we've seen a, a thousand times the National Guard ad for uh, Man of Steel. Um, this particular ad is is, uh, street, is guys who are construction workers in New York, and they're repairing the street. They're, they're repairing potholes, and they're like, it's going to take a day. We're going to have to repair these potholes, but now first I'm going to have lunch, and then Superman lands behind them, and uh-huh. makes, like, another pothole, and the guy goes, maybe it'll take another day. But he's eating a huge burger, and he, and the, the tagline for the commercial is, sometimes you need three times the bacon. <laughs> <And> That's
2: <laughs> a dick joke about Superman?
1: <laughs> Kelly Wand, it is what you want it to be. Uh, it's dick. <laughs> uh, I want to talk briefly because I want to hear Dingus' take on this. Um, so, Kelly Wand, actually, let me ask you this. What do you think... By the time Superman is done and over with, by the time the events of this movie have finished, what's the death toll?
2: Oh, Oh, uh, eight hundred buildings and zero
1: humans. And so- oh, really? You don't think anyone died? Are you being, you're not being serious? Oh, he saved everybody. He's super. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Diggs, was that your read on what happened in this movie?
0: No, it's thousands. It's it. You know, it doesn't upset me as much as I don't, uh, for for some reason it doesn't upset me as much as Furious Six. Where, where all those people are being crushed by a tank uh, on the freeway, uh, it feels more personal. Then,
1: but every well, can I, time can I address that through a
0: building. Go ahead.
1: Well, I just want to address that. I think Fast and Furious Six is such a goof, and their issues are so small. It's just a heist. But this is a fate of the world thing. You know, the fate of the world. It's okay if you know you kill ten thousand people. That's fine. If it's just a bunch of people chasing a computer chip from a car. You know, and then people die on the highway because that, that doesn't make sense. But, but for me, I wonder if that's part of it too, is that, you know what, the stakes are high enough that we can kill 10,000 people and it's going to be okay. I don't, I just, when the, when a tank runs over an SUV and you see that happen and you know
0: that, that there's a family in there that's been run over, even though this is a doofy movie, uh, for some reason it just Hit me in the gut. And you're talking about Fast and Furious Six. But I'm talking oh, oh, about Furious 6, Six, yeah. And but with this, when that that weird Earth Earth weapon, what do you? Dangus, it's the World Machine. Thank Come you, the World Machine. Every time they said World Machine, I started giggling and I felt bad. Dingus,
1: release the World Machine. <laughs> Ew. Let's take that again. Um,
0: <laughs> if we get a, remember Liam, just think Liam Neeson. Go. <laughs> So every time that world machine slams into the earth and something gets you know, all the cars fly up and fly down and smash, there's thousands of people dying.
1: So. Oh, and bodies too. You see bodies like being yeah. flung around. Yeah. Thanks, Superman. But my my problem with that is that then how are we expected? Like, and then he conveniently plucks Amy Adams out of midair when, uh, Christopher Maloney suicides the C-130 into the, whatever, the, the other half of the world machine. By the way, I didn't understand the mechanics of that whole world machine thing, which is another reason the movie lost me at the end. I don't know what the deal was with the codex and having to push the button all the way in, and I don't know what that thing was they were having to drop. Uh, I don't, I don't, for, at one point, I seriously thought Superman was flying through the middle of the earth.
0: I seriously thought I was going to do right for a minute.
1: <laughs> Did you guys not think that? Did you not think, oh, he's flying through the – it's like in the core. Did you not think he was flying through the middle of the Earth? No? No, I thought they were going
0: to make that Total Recall world traveling machine. Right. I thought that's what they were doing.
1: Right, minus the infrastructure. Exactly. Right. right. Um so uh, it, it, all these people are dying, and I'm okay with that because it's a you know it's a grim terrible thing, and Zod is a t- total bad guy it's like something he would do um but to then be expected to think that Superman cares so deeply about that one huddling family being zapped by zod's eye laser or whatever that's so, that's so tone deaf to me you know that's, all these I don't think it is I think it's more of a
0: sense of. Superman's moral dilemma he has to be concerned with individuals. I mean, you think about I was thinking about this. I know this is going to be ridiculous, but when he's when he's standing there in the street and he he saves like one soldier um, and it reminds me of that moment on the ship where the guy moves him out of the way and calls him uh green horn greenhorn uh, when he saves this one guy and then he goes over and he saves those guys on the oil platform. Um, he can only save individuals, really, and maybe he can avert a world disaster as well, but he can't save everybody. And so for for me, I, I kind of thought about that. He's going to save Lois Lane, but he can't save everybody, and Lawrence Fishburne and, and Michael Kelly are going to be able to save uh, Rebecca Buller, uh, and only her. Uh, but they're going to be able to save that one person, and we're not going to be able to worry about all the people in the office buildings. So right. it doesn't worry me as much as it does for Furious 6 for some reason. All right, no dingus, you brought me
1: around. Fair enough. I'll, I'll definitely buy that. It's
2: way more important than a computer chip.
1: <laughs> What's way more important, Kelly Wand? Codex. Right, that's an important codex. And you know what? Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um,
2: Let's see, new Lawrence Fishburne had it.
1: He had the like, pry the thing up. It's had the codex? No, the crowbar. <laughs> oh, first of all, yeah, it wasn't a crowbar. It was a street sign. Um, uh, that the Michael Kelly picks up and they're going to pry her out of there with the, the street sign. Street
2: cliffhanger. Just like breaking a neck.
1: <laughs> uh, Kelly, what was your
0: favorite uh, use of profanity in this movie?
2: Uh,
1: uh, Greenhorn. It was a dick. Uh, I wish that they hadn't actually called him Superman. I love the little gag where Amy Adams doesn't quite get the word out. But then we have that putsy military dude actually calling him Superman. I was like, oh, come on. Why didn't you
2: follow through with not calling him
0: Superman? I know. That was such a bold move. And then they
2: they effed it up. Well, do they know Superman exists in that universe?
1: (laughs) I just want to know, and Dingus, I hope you're with me on this complaint, because by golly, you brought it up during uh, uh, Iron Man 3. I just want to know... Where the hell was Batman during all this? One, two, three, I don't need you and me. I'm and I'm calling between them. One, two, three, beat up am
2: not free. Get him down with me. <laughs> everybody loves the man. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Kelly want, let's do a 3x3. Three three. What do you think of that?
2: <laughs>
1: he can't be heard if
2: anybody else is talking or there's any other audio.
1: <laughs> Kelly Wand, let's do a 3x3. Three three. What do you think of that? All right. Uh, well, the dingus, is here 3x3, three three, so why don't you tell us what we're going to be doing this week? Uh, all I said was babysitters. Kelly One, what do you think of doing babysitters?
2: What, well, I thought we we're gonna do the three by three for
1: Tom. Um, <laughs> uh, Kelly One, since you're introducing next week's three by three, why don't you give us your number three favorite babysitter of all time?
2: My number three babysitter of all time is Richard Pryor and The Toy, because that made me want one.
1: Uh, can you tell us a bit about him? I have—I no, don't think I've seen The Toy.
2: Oh, uh, rich kid, uh, who works with Jackie Gleason. As his son hires Richard Pryor, who works at a toy store, to be his uh, servant, and then, uh, but he teaches them to love each other.
1: Sounds heartwarming. Do, do you recommend this movie?
2: Mm-mm. No, but I recommend it as a job.
1: <laughs> All right. That
0: uh, my favorite choice you've ever made. That is awesome. I didn't even think about that. And I used to love that movie. Um, I love that choice. That is perfect. Kelly, you win. That's, uh, well, that's your number three. Uh, congratulations.
1: Yeah, wait till you hear what he's got for his number one and number Good two. Number That's a
0: great idea. They're going to be way better. U.S. U.S. It's not U.S. It's. U.S. <laughs> US. It's not U.S.
2: See, she thinks they're having sex, but it's really Richard Pryor teaches Jack Gleeson how to hug his child.
1: Oh, I love that choice. Let's Thank you, Steve Kelly. Me. I'm the perfect. Whatever. I, I feel left out because I haven't seen this. So are you guys done talking about the toy? I don't see movies. You, don't, you know, we have to have
2: it sit down. I don't think you're seeing enough movies. And the ones you do choose, just they have verses in the title.
1: And it's Why would I see the toy? Because it's, it's
2: about race relations. You care
1: about that. You know what? I got all I needed to know about race relations out of Richard Pryor and that thing where, where Gene, Gene Wilder puts on blackface. Was that Silver Streak or whatever? No,
0: that was Superman 4.
1: Could have been.
2: First off, the toy is a Christ metaphor, so you should see it.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm sold. The
2: kid kills by accident and then three later.
1: By the way, Superman was 33 years old in this movie. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand?
2: You know that? Mm-hmm. Krypton years? How long did it take him to get here? Uh,
1: what's
0: awesome is that they got out of their phantom prison immediately.
2: <laughs> no time passed for anything.
0: We've been doing this for 33 years.
2: You, you just went into prison. Come on. You got out already? <laughs> yes, yeah, Superman's 30 years older. They're the same age. Because Je-
0: Jesus was 33, as we all
2: know. Exactly. How do we know that?
0: Because because uh, God's
2: it's the metal. Okay. Hmm. Wait, why is thirty-three? Because it's okay.
1: Kelly Wand, my favorite babysitter. I'm. I will be surprised if this is either not on your list or you didn't consider it. But my number three favorite babysitter is the nanny in The Omen. <laughs> <laughs> do you Do you know what I'm talking about? The one in the early scene.
0: It's all for you, Damien.
1: Right, and she gives him a birthday present. (laughs) It's really grim, and it's a famous scene from The Omen where you know something's not right. Or it's perfect. Does he appreciate that?
2: I forget his reaction. Is he what? Well, does Damien go, hey, that's cool. I wish I had more nannies who did that.
1: Damien seems pretty kind of low-key about almost everything, I seem to recall. He's just this this kind of sullen little kid. Even when Gregory Peck's trying to, like, cut his head off or whatever, he's like, eh, whatever. Because he,
2: he doesn't even
1: appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you would think his father cares enough. Yeah,
2: But that's the knife that can kill him, isn't it? The special blade, because it was forged in Arendelle or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. And then Arwen blessed it. Jeez. Dingus, what is your number three choice for a favorite babysitter?
0: All right. Here's a bit of dialogue from it. Um, you guys aren't going to know this, but I love this bit of dialogue. Uh, I didn't know you guys were moving to New York. Thanks for telling me. You weren't all. Go- we weren't all going to move.
2: Hmm. It's got to be. No, they don't move to New York. They're already in New York. Uh, midnight Run
0: doesn't happen. They're moving from Philadelphia. One of them is moving from Philadelphia to New York. It's got to be an M Night Shyamalan movie. It is exactly one of those, and one I had to watch uh, a couple weeks ago to
2: get ready for our After Earth podcast.
1: Which one has babysitters? Is there a babysitter in Signs? I don't think there's a babysitter in The Happening or The Village.
2: Philadelphia, The Other Planet, and an After Earth.
1: Oh wait a minute! There's got to be a—is there a babysitter in Sixth Sense who watches Haley Joel Osment?
0: No. Yeah, it's a ghost too. You're you're down to like one movie.
1: All right, so it's obviously Lady in the Water in the Water and the Village. It
0: is Unbreakable. Oh. Um So the this uh uh what I loved about watching that on what I I really love Unbreakable. Although watching it again is a little difficult because I start to recognize the ways M Night Shyamalan can't help but show things on camera that shouldn't bo- he shouldn't bother showing. He's just so interested in moving the camera and interested in making directorial choices that have nothing to do with what's going on in the scene. Um, but I didn't notice this the first time I saw it, and I really, really like Unbreakable. Uh, but Bruce Willis and Robin Penwright's characters are breaking up in this movie. They're about ready to get divorce, and Bruce Willis is a security guard, and he's been researching other jobs that he can get and interviewing for them, and he has one that comes possible in New York. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, he and his wife are starting to reconcile, and they go out for their uh, for a date, for their first date that they've gone out uh, on in a long time, and they get back from that, and the babysitter's there, and she goes because this is in the day before cell phones, obviously. She says, you know, a, a couple of calls came in, and one of the calls was about you guys moving to New York. Thanks for telling me. And uh, Robin Penn Warner right behind him has to say, we weren't all moving. And the babysitter just gets this look on her face like, oh. And I love this idea, and this is this is what inspired the topic, because I was watching this movie when we were doing After Earth is this weird thing that, uh, this weird role that a babysitter plays in your life that she's, uh, or he, uh, whatever, is uh, really plugged into your family's life, but doesn't really know what's going on. And that she finds out that they're breaking up at this moment in this little bit of dialogue. I just love the way this actress plays it. And her name is uh, Michaela Carroll and she's just got a tiny little role. I love tiny little roles like this. She just says one scene, and the way she does just handles this, sort of like, thanks for telling me, and then she said, then Robin Penwright Warner says that, and then the girl gives this look like, oh, there's gravity in the situation. I gotta go now. I love that babysitter. (laughs) Thanks for telling me. (laughs) It was good. They're moving. Thanks for telling me, and then Robin says, yeah, we're not all moving. And it's like,
1: oh. Dangus, okay. I don't think this actress would appreciate your reading of her line reading. No, she
0: did a fantastic job, and I'm doing a horrible Valley Girl reading of it, but she does a great job.
1: All right. <laughs> that's All All
0: right. Yeah, that's right. I love that babysitter. I And that's what inspired me going, hey, babysitters, we haven't talked about that yet.
1: Well, Kelly Wan, do you have uh, a number two that's better than that? Do you, well, I? Uh,
2: number two is um, the gorilla and baby stay out.
1: Go ahead, tell us about this one. Uh, okay, it sounds um, awesome.
2: Yeah. Guys <laughs> uh, trying to kill a baby? No, they're trying to not kill it. That's what's going on. <laughs> but a bunch of guys trying to kill a baby. Oh wait! And it's the baby. It's like Home Alone, but with a baby. Um, so he can't talk. So in a way, that's better. So he just he goes to a construction site because the baby read a book about um, construction. And uh, everything in the city is from the book. So it's like mist. And then they go to the zoo, except it's in his apartment. And uh, the baby gets stuck in the gorilla cage. I mean, wanders in through a wormhole. And then uh, they have to get it out, and so they distract the gorilla by getting mangled by it. So, the baby's gorilla is the babysitter,
1: and you were the tiger. (laughs) Kelly Wand, I love the synopsis of this movie. Baby stay out. All right, number two babysitter. My number one babysitter does not figure that prominently in the movie, but I love... did you just jump to number one? Oh, sorry, number two. My math is bad. I have a different number one. I'm sure Dingus and I will share the number one pick. My number two pick is a babysitter. It's more of a, ba- a sequence about a babysitter. The particular babysitter doesn't do that much for me, but uh, I just remember th- this this uh, scene stuck in my head when I, when I saw the movie when I was a kid, and it's Tom Cruise's uh, dream babysitter in Risky Business. Uh, <laughs> get off the babysitter, Joel. <laughs> Right, and even his parents, I think, come and get on the loud, the, the, uh, what is the loudspeaker, or whatever, the, not foghorn, what do you call those little things that, uh, you yell into? Uh, the bullhorn, uh, and, said, and tell him to get off the babysitter. You know, it's one thing when a cop gets on a bullhorn and tells you to get off a babysitter, but when your own mom is doing it, uh, and I think his coach comes out, but anyway, it's, uh, it's a scene where Tom Cruise in Risky Business is, um, Masturbating, uh, and he's dreaming about being on the babysitter, and he can't quite get his, you know, he's he's so hung up that in his dream everyone is telling him to get off the babysitter, so he cannot complete this activity, and out of frustration he calls uh, Rebecca De Mornay, who's a call girl, and therefore the events of the movie happen. So uh, this is the babysitter that inspires the events of uh, Risky Business. Is my number two pick. Um. Kellywand questions.
2: Is she his babysitter in the dream, or do they have a kid?
1: No, no. She has been hired to babysit him.
2: Yeah. That's what's so
0: funny about that line. I love that line so much. Get off. <laughs> and I thought about that this week. Get off the babysitter,
1: Joel.
2: It's based on a real event from his life, but he was like six.
1: Kelly Wand, it's, uh it's a fantasy used to facilitate a certain activity. <laughs> you know, where you have to go to the bathroom. Like when you're watching Pandorum, Kelly Wand, it's like that.
2: I love babysitting, but I never pay for it.
1: Hmm. <laughs> so
2: you recognize it?
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't know what that line is from. What is that from?
2: Uh, Booger says it, but his name's something
1: else. I've never seen a movie with a character named Booger. What are you talking about?
2: That's the Bridge a- of the Nerds.
1: Aha! This new. Yeah, I've never seen that.
2: Chris Armstrong, didn't he date Mr. Pesto on Moonlighting? Anyway, uh, what was the first thing I was jittering
1: about? Kelly Wan, can I ask you a serious question? Please. Absolutely not. (laughs) Kelly Wan, I was trying to do lines from Big Trouble in Little China with you, and you failed me.
2: Well, you did making better time with Dingus before, anyway.
1: (laughs) Dingus, give us your number two pick for a favorite babysitter.
2: (laughs) All right, I will.
0: Um... You know, I wish my parents played Mozart when I slept, because half
1: the time, I don't know what anyone's talking about. Yeah, but what's your number two pick for a favorite babysitter? <laughs> Hi, this is Kari. Sorry for the freaking out, but your baby has special needs. Oh, oh, I do like this one. I don't care for the babysitter, but I love this scene. Yeah, that's why I chose it,
0: because I love the scene. Uh, and I, actually, I love the earlier scene, too. So this is The Incredibles, and this is Kari, uh, the babysitter, who uh, Violet has to get. I, I assume at the last second, because they're stowing away with their mom, and they stow away on a jet to go rescue dad in The Incredibles. And mom says, you left Jack-Jack alone, and Violet's like, Are you, I'm not. Stupid! Of course I didn't. And mom says, "Well, who'd you get?" And then we flash to a scene where Kari is. She's just so enthusiastic. I love this babysitter. She's a. She's terrible, but because of because of the fact that she ultimately hands over the baby to the villain. Um. But I love how enthusiastic she is. She's like, I know CPR, and I know that you have to play Mozart for kids because it helps their brains develop. Even when they're asleep, you can still play play it for them. And she's just. I love that babysitter and I love the way that the voice actress plays it. And the voice actress is actually somebody named Brett Brooks Parker, who was an animator on the movie and not a voice actress at all. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I just, I love the way that plays out. I like the couple of scenes with her. I do not like that the babysitter hands over Jack Jack to the villain in the movie. I think that's a bad move, um, but I like how willing and how Oh, she just wants to help so much. Uh, as a parent myself, it's hard for me to believe that a babysitter is there for a couple of days having to deal with this because it feels like a lot of time passes. But it's also hard for me to believe that mom runs off and leaves the teenage daughter and the little boy in charge of the baby. So who knows? But I, I like Kari. Uh,
1: there's a horror no – I'll bring this up. Uh, there's a horrible uh, horror movie called Dark Circles. With, uh, Jonathan Skykyky, I don't know how you say his name, uh, but he's been around for a while and he, and it's him and another woman and they play, uh, parents of a newborn baby and it's kind of a metaphor for the sleeplessness that parents of newborn babies go through and they start to think that this crazy witch demon chick is stalking their baby and they're hallucinating and you know maybe there is something supernatural going on and they're both getting wired from lack of sleep and this this creature wants their baby to eat it like katie featherstone and it's coming to get them and so at one point in the movie and the movie it's just such a terrible by the numbers horror movie with a couple of cool (laughs) But at one point, Jonathan Skaik is going to the supermarket (laughs) to just buy some groceries, and there's a checker there who's checking him out who basically says, wow, you look really tired. And it's it's one of those moments in a movie immediately where you know, okay, this actress – is not going to just do this checkout scene. You know, she is here for something else. She is too good. She's too invested. She's too energetic. Uh, she's too prominent in this scene. And so it turns out that Jonathan Skjak hires her. Are you talking about the guy from that thing you do? Are you doing that again? I don't know how you say his name. How do you say his name, Dingus? I would think Skage. thought Jonathan. <laughs> Skage. Okay, I'll take sketch He's got too many vowels and C H things and it's, it's too Germanic. It makes me uncomfortable. Is I don't it know that how guy, you say though? Is that the yeah. same thing? Okay. I think so. Yeah. All right. Sky. Uh he w- yeah, so uh, you know, he's just like a good looking leading man type dude. Yeah. Uh, so and yeah, you're right, Dingus. I'm looking here. He was in the thing you do. Uh, okay, but good. so anyway, this actress, you're like, wow, she's really good. They hire her to be a babysitter, uh, and he's like, you know what? Could I get you to babysit? My wife and I were just so tired. We need to get some sleep. We're not even gonna leave the house. Just come over and babysit, and we're gonna be asleep upstairs. And she agrees, and and she's got some good scenes with them. And naturally, they go upstairs and go to sleep. And then the crazy demon chick kills the babysitter. Oh. Uh, but you talking about that babysitter just made me think of this role. This. Stupid horror movie and this one really good standout actress who is a kind of a a – your typical horror movie babysitter victim who I I really liked. Um, Uh, So – all right. So uh, let's see. uh, And it reminded me of of Jack-Jack's babysitter just for how energetic she was. Kelly Wand, let's get down to your favorite babysitter uh, in a movie. Kelly Wand, is this a movie with Jonathan Skjieke? No.
2: Yes. It is. I'm sorry. I forgot. He's the star.
1: Well, tell us about it.
2: Directed it. Okay, I'm going to do a line from it. Are you ready? Yes. That was the line. (laughs) That was the line. Uh, All right, let's get out of here. Okay, go.
1: Ghostbusters? (sighs) Tom? It's obviously not Baby's Day Out because you've already picked that one. That otherwise would have been my guess can't do it twice. Okay, baby, stay out. No, I tricked you. Damn, you're good, Kelly Wand.
2: See, I'll do another quote.
1: <clears throat> let's, let's get out of here. I, I don't think I've seen this movie. I would definitely recognize a line that, that that's that well-written.
2: Okay, it's called Halloween.
1: Mmm, Famous babysitters for a hundred.
2: Yeah, well, she takes her job seriously, and she's only a babysitter. She's not like Michael Myers daughter or sister yet. It's just like takes it seriously. Because like the one in Stranger Calls, Mm -hmm. she gets uh, asked if she's checked the children a bunch of times on the phone, but she never checks the children. So it's like she's not a good babysitter. And then the parents get home, they find the kid's dead. Does she give them a price break? Anyway, Jamie Lee Curtis (laughs) went to uh, greater length. So she was the, the, the toughest babysitter. Plus I didn't see the Elizabeth Shue one.
1: So she's way more committed than the typical babysitter in a horror movie.
2: Like, she should have gotten paid double, and Carol Kane should have gotten nothing or at least five bucks tops.
1: Oh, that was Carol Kane, wasn't it? Wow. Some
2: gravitas, grab us, bro. Uh,
1: when A Stranger Calls, does that hold up, do you think, Kelly Wand?
2: There was a remake with that chick yeah. from uh, the Roland Emmerich movie I didn't see, and she's kind of cutie. But I didn't see that one. I heard it's, it's Kids it's, live- something
1: yeah it's no good it's no good it's uh it's basically yeah just uh, a teenage girl imperiled in a strange house I recall the coolest thing about the remake of when a stranger calls is the house where she's babysitting it has this cool uh like arboreum or whatever you'd call it like a little garden enclosed in glass in the middle of the house which figures into one of the scenes where she's hiding from the killer or whatever but that's what I remember about that remake more than anything else um well, and plus, you know, that whole thing about phone calls coming from inside the house and somebody being on the same line, like, I don't think any of that plays with modern telephone technology.
2: No. Now they can just get in the house. The kids help the guy get the number for the room, the fax. Then
1: also. Uh, Facebook I, would be involved.
2: When a stranger calls the first one. Isn't it kind of jump the shark after, like, it's like that's just the first half of the movie and then she finally gets the door open. It's like one of those ones where she can't open the door for 10 minutes and then it's like pop and then the whole second half of the movie is just a bunch of bullshit in New York, like the cop chasing him and stuff.
1: What? Man, I don't remember any of that. Is Charles Derning the cop? Or did I just make that up? It's him or Burt Reynolds. I <laughs> don't think it's Burt Reynolds. Uh. <laughs> I remember there was like a Stranger
2: Calls 2 like before the remake but it was like a sequel to the first one and I remember thinking it was surprisingly good and it was like a college girl it was all phone stuff
1: which to me was like the high point of the first one all Right. And making a note to watch when a Stranger Calls 2 alright good to know Alright, my number one pick, uh, and uh, Dingus, if you didn't pick this, I'm sure you didn't do it out of deference to me, but uh, my favorite babysitter, she doesn't even know who she's babysitting, uh, love the actress, love the movie, love the creepy wind-up, uh, I love that Greta Gerwig is not the babysitter, but it's okay. definitely, uh, is it Jocelyn Donahue? I meant to look it's... up her name. Yes, in House of the Devil. Uh, sir. Was... But it's definitely were... babysitting. It's- it totally is. No, she's looking for a babysitting job. Um, Tom Noonan hires her and then has to explain, well, it's not really babysitting. But she thinks she is a babysitter. That is the position that she is filling. It's just that this particular job is a little weird and whacked. Um, but that's why she's hired as a babysitter. It does. He does say the lie. Are you a babysitter? So- Back me up on this, Dingus. Is she a babysitter in House of the Devil? Of course,
0: uh, it is Jocelyn Donahue. Uh, the line, the line that I would have chosen is, you see, we don't have a child. We have a child, but you see, he's grown. And then he moves on to tell her what the actual job is. And then, of course, uh, our favorite actor in horror movies, AJ Bowen, <laughs> says, are you, are you not the babysitter? Um, so clearly, the job is babysitter, and she calls about the babysitting job, so she is definitely the babysitter and i and yeah, she's my my number one choice, of course
1: oh, you did okay, I just thought you would just defer to me and because obviously this was going to show up, and no, I no,
0: love no, too she's she's definitely my number one choice I mean I would have chosen Greta Gerwig if I were choosing like moments around the word babysitter, but uh, but i I love Joc- Jocelyn Donahue, and I love what ends up happening where she's uh, on the other side of that door. Uh, I love all the creepy moments where she's in a house that she doesn't know. But she, has the, she has this huge responsibility because when you're babysitting, it's a huge
1: responsibility, but she's terrified. Uh, I'd love that. And just all the beats leading up to it with Tom Noonan and Mary Warren off too. Like, uh just those two actors playing it's the typical scene where you know you're coming and the parents brief you on what to do and you know there's a number for pizza on the fridge just how right. Ty West shoots just writes and shoots all that stuff and it's just mundane conversation but just with weird actors and weird beats and uh, you know Mary Warnoff is great and she's got a long history of that sort of thing but Tom Noonan is just so freaky and weird but, but soft spoken uh, it just plays on their weirdness so well and Jocelyn Donahue bless her heart Heart is just kind of so. What's the word? Uh, Tasty. I was going to say like innocent or naive. She's very or, sweet because yeah. there's that moment where he says,
0: "We don't have. We we, we can only pay one of you." <laughs> right. Like, oh no. Oh no. No no. That that's fine. And then they, they then he takes her into another room to tell her about the job, and Greta Gerwig stays in there and starts stealing candy. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: Oh, I love that. I love that movie. I love that we got to see it even in the service of having to watch a terrible movie. Uh, I, got, I love it so much, and I love that babysitter. So, as soon as I thought of the babysitter because of the Unbreakable, I thought of the topic. Immediately, I knew my number one was going to be up. Yeah. And I knew that Tom, it was going to be Tom's, and so I thought, uh, well, should I choose Adventure? Uh, should I choose something else? Or, uh, but no, I, I couldn't really avoid it. I just love it too much.
1: So I'm the only one here who saw, or saw part at least, of Crazy Stupid Love. Is that right?
2: I saw the stupid part.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Crazy Stupid Love has, uh, one of the many dopey things about it is that Steve Carell, his, his babysitter's in love with him. Uh, and that's one of the stupid subplots. And uh, But I looked this up to find out who she was. Uh, she's an actor, the babysitter in Crazy Stupid Love, who's in love with Steve Carell, is an actress named Anna Lee Tipton. Does it ring any bells for you guys? Yeah, she was. She, we really liked her in Warm Bodies as the yeah, best friend. Yeah, I love that. She was great. She was the one point of life in that movie. Yeah. Well, she's the babysitter in this horrible movie, which I you know what I sh- I shouldn't say this because I didn't watch the whole thing, but her crush on Steve Carell is a is a one of the plot threads in Crazy Stupid Love. Um. So you know what, Dingus, watch the rest of that movie for me and let me know how it turns out. Yeah, I won't be doing
0: that. Since I watched uh, 300 and part of Watchmen this week, I'm done.
1: Jesus, really? (laughs) Those are the good ones. Dingus, why didn't you watch uh, Sucker Punch again? Uh.
0: Uh, Because you're only allowed to watch that once, and if you watch it again, you get put on a watch list.
1: (laughs) Uh, Dingus, what uh, reader submissions do we have for favorite babysitters? Uh, Folks didn't really care for this topic
0: too much. We only have three reader submissions. It's a hard one. That's it. She's all right. So anyway, uh, first we have Fred Bow. That's Fred and Lynn. Uh, all right, Mother Suckers, we're back. Uh, number three, Elizabeth Shue. Uh, he says "Gur," but I wonder if he's doing.
1: <laughs> is he like? Is he threatened by her, and is he trying to threaten her, or yeah, yes. is he trying to do a Kelly Wand? Yeah, I was noise? hoping to
0: leave a space. Hey, Kelly, can you do your little noise?
1: Oh. <laughs> Kelly sounded
0: like the Hulk. <laughs> he, or, like you trying to say Sucker Punch. Damn it. <laughs> anyway, in Adventures in Babysitting, uh, of course, the quote from that movie would be, nobody leaves this club without seeing the blues. Um, but I, I added that last part. They they just said Elizabeth Shue, and she's great for, like, a fantasy uh, adventure babysitter.
1: That's one babysitter I'd have a hard time getting off. Wait a minute. <laughs>
0: What? Oh, my God. You just reminded me of a babysitter moment from my youth. All right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, number two.
1: <laughs> Wait a minute. Can I talk about a babysitter moment from my youth before we get to the rest of uh, Fredbo's picks? Yeah, go right ahead. I once had to babysit for these kids. didn't have to. I mean, I think I did it willingly. I don't think I was coerced or anything. I babysat for some kids who lived down the street from me, and I don't know how old I was, but when I tell you what I did, it will be indicative of what kind of kid I was. I um took... And I remember the youngest kid's name was Terry. And I think the other one was Glenn. And I I took some clothes and stuffed them with like newspaper to fill them out. So it would look like a person. And I like tied, you know, I tucked a shirt in some pants and then I used a bag to make a head and I threw it up in a tree in the backyard to where you could barely see it when you turned the porch lights on. And I was babysitting these kids. And at one point I was like, Oh my God, there's a body in the tree out there. And I turned the light on and I don't, and, and it freaked out Terry. I don't know that Glenn fell for it. But that's what kind of babysitter I was, is I wanted to terrify this little kid by making him think there was a body in the tree in the backyard. It works. It's cheaper just to just
0: get a real body. <laughs> and now they're serial killers. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> My Twitter name is Socio, by the way. <laughs> Dingus, Dingus is now quoting the trailer for the ABC family series Twisted. Which, which he watched. So, nice work. Oh, wait a minute. Is that what that's from, or is it from a movie? No, it's from that. Yeah. All right. All right. So, I'm sorry. I interrupted just to talk about what a sadistic babysitter I was. That's uh, okay.
0: I'm going to tell my babysitter story now, but it's uh, when I was being babysat. Ah, um, this sounds, as, uh, I like the way this is going. As a young kid, and uh, my babysitter had this book, and uh, I didn't know what it was. It was this... Uh, book that said uh the word bra on it but it said algebra and she's like yeah this is my math book it's algebra and i was like how's it pronounced and she said algebra and said sounds like how's your bra and so i spent the rest of the afternoon going how's your bra and i'm and i forced her to like knock at the door and i would answer the door and say how's your bra and i spent uh just i just laughed and laughed and laughed about how the algebra book had the word bra in it and it sounded like how's your bra
1: Kelly Wan, what do you think of that? It has algae too <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Alright, so uh, thanks for, to Fred Fredbo for letting us uh, briefly go on a tangent there. Oh, Kelly Wan, by the way do you have any babysitter stories you should share? Uh,
2: that I can share? <laughs> <laughs> Seance. Or we had Fondue. Can't remember.
1: <laughs> Alright, so uh so then let's so Fred Beau, what does he have as his number two and a number one pick? So.
0: Alright, Fred Beau, which I think is a duo uh Fred and Lynn. I don't know if Fred Beau is more than one person. Or maybe his name is Fred and Lynn. I don't know. Anyway, Fred Beau says uh Rebecca De Mornay, grr. Not the babysitter. Not the babysitter. She's a call girl. She no, talks. Not from that. In the hand that rocks the cradle. Oh,
1: oh! I've been pwned by Fred Bo. Nice, good, good, Fred Bo.
2: Isn't it? nanny like she? If you're a live-in babysitter, you're a nanny, like Mary Poppins,
1: right? Well, Kelly, we don't want anything that would disqualify the chick in the omen, right? Because then that's going to call that into question, and no one can can what? deny that that's one of the best babysitters ever. So. Oh, I have some crazy nanny stories from my youth. <laughs> I
0: mean, and uh, Fredbo's number one is John Candy Grrr as uh, Uncle Bunk from Uncle Buck. Uncle Bunk, Uncle Bunk from Uncle Buck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why the name is different from the name of the character as the titular character, but it's weird.
2: Uh, if you're related, are you a babysitter? Are you?
0: No, oh, that's actually, a good point. you're not.
2: Yeah. Because I was all about the bloodline.
0: No, uncles uncles and aunts can be babysitters, but grandparents can't be, and ah. parents obviously can't. Good, good.
2: What about by blood?
0: You cannot babysit blood. It's-
2: oh! The oh. future. Sorry, brah! <laughs> Algebra. Ah, gotcha. Wait, did, so did you, did she, was she charmed? Wait, what do you mean when she came to the door? I didn't understand that part of the story. <laughs> I did. The, I kept doing this this scene
0: where uh, actually I made her be inside, and mm-hmm. I would walk up the sidewalk and knock at the front door and she would open it and I would go, "Hey, algebra, so you are a peeper." Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know what I was doing. I just thought that algebra sounded like the question. How's your bra? And I created this uh, scenario in which I was a salesman asking, "How's your bra?" You
2: should drop it. I think it was cute an hour ago. No, I want to it inside. The-
0: <laughs> <laughs> And now when I think back, I think, God, she must have wanted to murder me.
2: Did that line work with other ladies? Uh,
0: Strangely, no. Now that you mention it, I should have dropped it years ago.
2: Like Bikini Inspector. (laughs) Is that a thing? I don't know why that t-shirt never works for me. (laughs)
0: Uh, uh, uh so our next listener is Paul Weimer, Weimer, Woomer. Uh, hi, guys! Three babysitters! Exclamation point! Number one or number three? Nanny McPhee. Emma Thompson as the magic using Nanny McPhee with seven charges to keep track of.
1: My my response to that, by the way, is ha Paul saw Nanny McPhee. I got ridiculed for
2: not wanting to see it by a friend. Like, you don't want to see Nanny McPhee? <clears> I don't. Kids, what's wrong with you? Oh, what's wrong with you? Come on. And I looked at the poster and it's like her warty nose and like
1: uh, Isn't Jim Carrey in that movie?
2: I didn't see it. But wasn't Poppins hot compared to Manny McPhee like why do I want
1: to watch? It? Uh I think you're thinking of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> Kelly just said Manny McPhee. <laughs> uh,
0: number two, Peyton, played by Rebecca De Mornay, Cue a Kelly one growl. Uh Gur. Okay, he can't be bothered. Uh, as the psycho would-be family usurper in The Hand That Rocks the
2: Cradle. Okay, you know, usurper is not a babysitter.
0: So we have two of those. And number one, uh, Paul kind of does a little bit of uh, jujitsu on me right now. Uh, so Buddy Pain Syndrome, voiced by Jason Lee, winds up being a temporary and unwanted babysitter for Mr. and Mrs. Incredibles. Superpowered baby Jack-Jack in The Incredibles. That's a good point. Yes. Um. Yes. So, best regards, Paul.
1: Actually, isn't that? Couldn't anybody who kidnaps a baby then? Couldn't that be <laughs> <a> babysitter? <laughs> I was just. I'm just a babysitter. I'm just on spec. <laughs> Spe- spec babysitting, exactly, Dinkus. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: And the last one is Rhiannon McLean. Uh, hi again. Here are some movie babysitters plus my brief review of their babysitting. Ah, 3. Timothy Mouse in Dumbo. Pretty <laughs> terrible babysitter. All right, the infant in his care to drink, hang out with sketchy crows. 1 out of 5. I don't know. 5. <laughs> she <laughs> gives him a 1 out of 5. That's a that, that's a good point. Awesome. All right, number 2. Sam. <laughs> I like Rhiannon. Uh, Sam Neill in Jurassic Park. <laughs> Wait a minute. What?
2: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: <laughs> <Wait a> minute. <laughs> Isn't it awesome? Overall good babysitting in tricky situation. Let down only by allowing one child to <laughs> be electric
2: unit.
1: <laughs> 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 Oh, jeez, nice. I should give
2: Sam a four out of five.
0: <laughs> oh, and number one, this is perfect. Clive Owen and shoot him up.
2: <laughs> that baby five out of five. I get Tanakis, too, in the head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you are sincerely reanimated. P.S. My boyfriend's input this week is of my submit. I don't know.
2: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs>
0: Too many oh, Thank you, and You saved my topic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna bring up uh there's a David Gordon Green movie that actually might be called The Babysitter, uh with Jonah Hill as a babysitter. Uh and it's basically uh that Elizabeth Shue movie, but with Jonah Hill instead and some vaguely R-rated situations. Um but there's a legitimately good scene between Jonah Hill and – I think it's one of the Calkin kids, not Rory, but uh, where one of the kids thinks he's gay. And Jonah Hill has this great heartfelt scene where he's basically saying, you know what? So what? It's okay to be gay. It's no big deal. Uh, and it's this great scene that could only happen in like a David Gordon Green movie. Um, so I meant to bring that up as a runner-up. Yes, yes There's a yes, yes,
2: stone movie called The Babysitter. It uh, takes a bath, I think.
1: It's a what movie, Kelly Wand? She's a babysitter,
2: Alicia Silverstone. It's called The Babysitter.
1: Are you thinking of The Crush?
2: <sighs> That's <laughs> babysitting. <laughs> well, he's Babysitting her, kind of. And also that movie where Tommy Lee Jones is with the cheerleaders, or the sorority girls, Man <laughs> of the house. <laughs> is that babysitting? Is cheerleader too old?
1: <laughs> no idea what movie you're talking about. <laughs>
2: it's, like, uh, it's like a Blake Edwards movie, but it's Tommy Lee Jones instead of Ritter. Man of the House. Man about the House.
1: Okay, I'm going to write that down next to When a Stranger Calls 2. Watch that. <laughs> All right. Strangers keep calling. Other runners-up. Dingus, anything from you? Uh, I got nothing. All right. Then, Kelly Wand, why don't you tell us what next week's 3 by 3 is? Make it a good one.
2: I also like the one in Paranormal 3, that babysitter. Because she's a cat scare, and then she gets cat scared. Mm. My next topic for the next thing we do is three best uses of alcohol.
1: Yeah, we've done that. <laughs> hmm. Really? Let's see. Russell Brandt is Arthur. I think. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that, Kelly Juan, we've done that. Maybe. Let's
2: do it again. Maybe we can just do a 2.0. All right, three best uses of cheese.
1: <laughs> Not sure what to make of this. So alcohol, cheese, but alcohol or cheese? Uh, what do you want us to do, Caliwan? We we are in your capable hands. Three best uses of cheese. Alcohol's dumb. <laughs> Have we done alcohol dingus? I mean, I think we've done drunkenness, or we haven't done cheese. We've done drug use. Uh, we we definitely haven't done cheese. <laughs> <laughs> The podcast entering its platinum
2: era now, and the topics. We thought we were running low and get. Ah. I, I
0: love
2: the I love the line. We definitely haven't done cheese. That
1: makes me very happy. <laughs> All right, well, let's do cheese. So, if you have ideas for the
0: best, we, thing- we did yeah. do we did do a favorite uses. Uh, sorry, we did do favorite uses of alcohol. It was actually during the Beasts of the Southern Wild podcast, and so we had actually it was a four by three. I don't know how we said it. I think it was four by three.
1: Yeah, we had a guest that week.
0: That's no. right. So, yes, we definitely did our best uses of alcohol.
1: All right. So uh, next week is cheese. If you have any ideas <laughs> for three best uses of cheese, if you just have one that you would like to, to mention, if you have several of them, we would love to read as many picks as you have. We will certainly be able to use your help, I think. Uh, send those in to 3x3 at quarter dot com. That's 3x3 at and then spell out quarter com. Uh Next week… <sighs> World War Z rated PG-13 I have serious misgivings But you know what? it's a zombie movie I'm certainly looking forward to it uh, So see that Join us for a World War Z podcast And our three best uses of cheese I'm Tom Chick I've been joined this week by Christian Mulowski It's Christian Murrowski. That's exactly what I said And Kelly Wand
2: Three cheese pastas count as one
0: <laughs> Sounds like a dump truck pushing a bunch of notes at me.
2: this podcast need more superpowers <laughs>